Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman, where we talk about the ever-forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Will. How are you? I'm great, Wendy. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Now, we have a- another guest. You always have the yes. most interesting guests, so tell us all about them. Well, and this this guest won't disappoint either. Um, I have been a fan of his podcast uh, really since I started researching for our episodes and for topics to talk about with our audience. Um, But today we have Justin Chung. He is the founder of the Money Dad podcast. Hi, Justin. How are you today? Doing well, uh, Will. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Hailing to us from Toronto, Canada, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful day up here in in, uh, Toronto. Great. Sun's out here too. We're excited for nice weather to finally be here and, um, you know, looking forward already to summer. So, uh, Justin, I'm going to let you do all the talking because I- I've listened to a lot of your episodes. Um, I'm the father of three three small boys, um, so I- I'm always intrigued at how to be educating them when it comes to money. It- it's what I do every day. But um, you know, we're working with adults, and and sometimes we're working with adults who are not so financially savvy and did not have the benefit of of a lot of education when it comes to money and comes to being financially savvy. So um, what what motivated you to to start your podcast and what um, what's your background with uh, you know the money dad? Sure. So my background is uh, well, I'm a real estate investor. so okay. i I started investing in real estate, you know, in my late twenties. When I bought a condo, really to live in for my uh, for my principal residence, and then I really got hooked into real estate when my father, you know, was encouraging me to get an investment property, um, and so I I picked up a first one at at the age of thirty, um, and started to really you know understand that real estate could be a, a huge uh, wealth creation vehicle, and so kind of you know for the past fifteen years or so, I've been in real estate invest making investments, helping others like friends and family invest as well into uh, real estate, you know, providing cash flow as well as appreciation benefits through joint venture partnerships. And, and really in terms of my motivation for starting the Money Dad podcast was really, you know, it kind of came to me, um, you know, I've got two young boys, you know, three and eight years old, and I really wanted to help parents really, you know, learn about helping their kids raise, you know, raise money, smart kids. I, I, you know, it's a platform that uh, I started last year in terms of the podcast. I was a big fan of podcasts. I thought, hey, how hard could it be to start a podcast? <laughs> and I realized there's a little bit of work that goes into sure. it. But I, you know, I, I was coming to a point where I, you know, I had a background in real estate and, you know, all the conversations that my parents and especially my dad had with me when I was young. And it wasn't necessarily always from a, a place of, abundance or that kind of mindset. It was really a lot of time, you know, from a place of lack. Right. And I felt like I wanted to give my kids 
resources or help them learn about money. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go along this journey, why don't I see, you know, if there's others out there that would be interested in this. And, and so, you know, I started the podcast about a year ago, actually almost about a year ago to this day um, to really, yeah, help parents uh, have their kids build a strong financial foundation, learn healthy skills and habits along the way. And my, I guess my core fundamental belief is that the sooner that we can have conversations with our kids about money, the better off they'll be in the long run uh, in terms of their own financial journey. And so I think a lot of times we're not get, getting it necessarily from school. School may sure. be covering some topics, but um, not sufficiently in any level of depth. And I feel like, okay, if you're not getting it at, at school, you have to get it at home. And I feel like there's still... a a uh, sense that money is, is is a taboo subject out there and it's not regularly sure. discussed in families. So yeah, my goal with the podcast was really to be a, a resource for like-minded parents and really curating actionable, practical knowledge and and strategies to help them have those conversations with uh with their uh, with their kids. And so I bring on a number of different guests every week and and we talk about different subjects uh or topics as it relates to uh kids and and money. So uh, that's kind of the background behind how I started it. Awesome. Yeah. And your guests have been very enlightening uh, for us. And again, doing this every day, but with three small boys at home, it's been a great source for me. We've shared it with um, with our clients to, to listen to, especially, you know, parents, um, because, you know, being part of Gen X, um, that financial education wasn't always a priority in school. You, you had touched on that. Yeah. We, it got glazed over while we were sitting in calculus and, and you know, physics and chemistry, you know, the, the real life uh, implications of money decisions weren't something that, that we got in school. And what we've noticed with our clients and the folks we work with, it seems like the most financially savvy folks. And that's not picking the right investment necessarily. That's, you know, the strongest budgeting and, um, you know, learning how to, to, um, accumulate when there is not an abundance is, um, are folks that came from, you know, strong backgrounds with their parents, with, with the financial, you know, including them in financial co- topics, understanding the, the, the perils of debt, understanding the, um, the, you know, getting through college is with as little debt as possible. They seem to have that background and they, they got from home. What, what's been the feedback like from parents, whether it's just in your, your circle of friends or, you know, the, the greater podcasting community with what's the feedback been like? Yeah, no, the feedback's been fantastic. I think, um, you know, what I've taken away from is that there are a lot of parents out there that are looking for resources to help with those conversations with, to have with their kids. Um, I've had, you know, feedback on, you know, we, we listen to the podcast on our, our, our road trips, actually, you know, we we're talking about before <laughs> that we started recording some road trips that, uh, that, you know, my family and I took recently, but I've had other parents tell me they play the podcast on road trips and th- and then that allows them to have conversations with their kids about whatever topic is being discussed or uh feedback that you know they'll play the podcast sometimes during uh dinner time actually and again it'll trigger conversations about uh whatever topic we're, that we're talking about that day right so i think you know it's refreshing to hear that 
you know, there is a receptiveness to that, like that there is an audience for it and that people are looking for the types of information that we talk, we cover, because I think there's a lot of information out there in general for, let's say people that are looking for uh, help themselves, right. Their own Mm -hmm. financial situation. I think there's a, there's almost like a, it's almost information overload, actually, to be honest with you, with the amount of information out there. And so what I want to do is really niche it down to focusing on kids, because I feel like, you know, not to say that things can't change for adults, you know, obviously, we, you know, everyone uh, can learn and pick up new things and, sure. and build different habits. But for me, you know, I look at and again, when I compare it to my kids, I think, they're sponges, right? Kids are just complete sponges and they can pick up things so quickly and so easily. And if they, if you just set them on the right path and it's little tweaks here and there, it doesn't have to be major, like topics that you're covering in, in wide, uh, in a, in depth, but they can pick up and learn, uh, little things to help them on their journey when they're starting young, when they haven't built, you know, bad habits or they haven't sure. learned, uh, things that uh, may be detrimental to their own financial situation. So I think uh, for me, yeah, the feedback that I've gotten so far has been uh, great and positive and, and to just keep rolling with it. And, and, um, and so it's been wonderful to, uh, to hear. Right. And we just actually experienced this conversation uh, in our house. My middle son, Miles lost a tooth last week mm. um, and a big one right in front. So it, it was a topic of conversation and of course, the tooth fairy visited, and of course. and you know immediately upon uh, waking up, he was ready to spend his uh, newfound fortune on Robux, and <laughs> having that conversation about, all right, maybe that's not the best use for all of this money, and how to, you know, use some now for enjoyment, use some later for for saving, um, and and you know we haven't really. He's only six. So the compounding interest conversation really hasn't taken hold yet. My but, question is, how much does the tooth fairy leave that he has well, all these options? Wow. Yeah. It was only $10. Um, only. You know, and that's I say only healthy, $10. That's a pretty healthy, uh, pretty healthy was, number. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a, the, the size of the tooth usually <laughs> dictates the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the the gift from the tooth fairy, and that was a you know a prominent front and center tooth. So wow. I, I don't know that that you know uh, what are those? I don't know my teeth names. The back but, molars. Well, I don't. You don't lose your molars, do you? The eye. No, teeth. I don't think you ever. Oh. The oh, the was it the uh, the no the incisors the inc- incisors incisors yeah. incisors. Yeah, yeah. He probably won't get as much for an incisor as he got for the front one, but if, if I'm using that correctly, that, he's gonna be really disappointed. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. you 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 basically set the bar now. It's, he it's went $10. he went into the garage and got a hammer and chisel and was ready to start <laughs> yeah. taking them all out. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, it's a it's amazing how quickly that outside influence of oh, I need to buy Roblox. Mm-hmm takes takes hold and how quickly like you said they're sponges and and that could go off of the rails quickly with with how you use that and we're not even talking about you know what he does with his chore money that he gets it for his allowance um you know this is just you know newly found fortune and trying to to you know rein that in immediately is is you know something that that my wife and I thought was important well, it's funny, like that, that reminds me of a situation that my, so my oldest got in, uh, what was it a couple of days ago? So he, so my wife went out and uh, came home with my youngest 
and they went shopping for a gift for my young, my youngest, it was a classmate, it was a birthday party. Okay. And they got back home and, and my, my wife had bought him a small transformer knockoff from the dollar store, Okay. which was, you know, it was from this kind of cheap plastic. And so of course my eight-year-old, you know, speaking of outside influences, but the outside <laughs> influence was, oh, my brother has one. I need to have one now. Right. And he wasn't even really into Transformers, but right. he was like, well, I, I need to have one because my youngest, but my younger brother has one. And so <laughs> I, you know, so he started getting upset because I said, well, you know, we can't just, be, first of all, you're older and all the toys that you've accumulated during this time, <laughs> you've had five years of a head start on him. But, right. uh, but, but then I realized, okay, you know what? I can use this as a teaching lesson sure. because, you know, he started getting upset. And I said, okay, you know what? If you want, if you want, the, if you really want this toy, Let's go take the money that you have in your piggy bank and we can go to the store and get it. And, and then all of a sudden he kind of, you know, stopped being upset and he realized, oh, okay, I have money that I right. can use to spend. And then I tried to incorporate lessons around, okay, well, we could go back and, and go to the dollar store and get this toy. It's not going to be very durable. I'm going to tell you probably in about five minutes, you're going to be bored of this thing. <laughs> or you can... Again, take the money that you have and spend it on something a little bit more high, a better quality. It's going to last a little bit longer, maybe something you actually are going to enjoy and, and play with for a while. And so I made him actually do a little bit of research in stores and like, and some items that he, that again, related to Transformers. And then what happened was I said, okay, let's go. And he decided, okay, you know what? Yeah, you're right, dad. I don't want this Dollarama kind of toy. Let's go to Toys R Us because I see this toy that I want. And again, I still didn't actually think that it was going to be a good toy because it was, it was a toy that was really meant for younger kids. Okay. But I thought, okay, you know, let's go through this, right? And so we went to the store, and once you know it, that you know the toy that he was looking for, the Transformer toy, he he ended up not getting that toy because he was interested in Lego. He's a huge fan of Lego. He's got a million pieces right. of Lego. And, you know, he was so dead set initially on getting this transformer toy because his brother had this toy and he realized, oh, you know what? Lego is what I actually would enjoy. And I made him go through, like, you know, ask the person, like, how much this costs. Um, he went to the cash and he paid for it himself using the cash that he had. I, you know, we talked about, you know, how much change you expect to get back. We talked about taxes, like how much you should include on top of that before the transaction. So he knew what to expect. So just all these kind of little things. You know, at the end of the day, you know, he came home, he was happy, played with his Lego. But all that being said, I think this ties back to you in terms of not even just outside influences, sure. but inside influences within the household, you know, between siblings <laughs> that can influence uh, your uh, your choices around spending, for example. Right. Well, and it's not too far from that internal influence inside the house that that creates the, you know, probably the biggest thing that that plagues Gen Xers when it, we're trying to accumulate and trying to, you know, build wealth and, and, you know, build maybe even a potential legacy is, you know, we get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses and trying to keep pace with our neighbors or our peers or our friends. And then we make bad financial decisions mm -hmm. um, and not understanding, okay, you know, we may feel good because we've kept pace with our neighbors, but, you know, we're putting ourselves behind the eight ball when it comes to college savings or with what our retirement looks like, or, we made a bad financial decision and now we don't have an asset, but now we have a liability. And it, it's, it's those outside those, you know, how quickly that can go from, okay, I want, I want this because my brother has it to, I need to have this because my neighbor has it or my friends have this. And now, you know, some a, a catastrophe occurs and I don't have the money to, 
uh, to weather this storm because, you know, I, I bought something that I didn't need, but I felt good that I was able to keep pace with, with my peers. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it is one of those things where, um, people can get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's easy. You see, you know, people going on nice vacations, they have these nice houses, nice cars, and you feel like, okay, yeah, it, it, um, it is, it is easy to get caught up in that. Sure. And I think what I'm hoping to do is, uh, for my kids and for other parents out there with kids is to help them understand, you know what? Yes, that is an influence, but at the same time, it's all in how you frame it as well. Like I, I think, so to me, in my mind, if you realize, and I didn't realize this till I was older, but if you realize that you can put your money towards an asset, a true asset. And I, you know, I explained to my eight-year-old, like, what's an asset? And he'll tell me, and I've explained to him that an asset is something, it's money that it's something that puts money into your pocket as opposed to money coming out of it. Right. And I think because if you can help kids understand that, hopefully that will influence them in saying, okay, you know what, the money that I receive from income, whether it's from a job, from a, from entrepreneurship, you know, activities where I start a business and sell things, whatever, that if I put aside money to invest in an asset that will return more, that will generate more money for me, that that will help with decisions around spending and limiting the need to feel like, oh, I got to keep up with everyone else because they've got this and they've got this. So um, I think, you know, if you have that, at least in my mind, if you have that perspective and, and can communicate in that and can help your kids understand that, that will go a long way towards shifting their mindset from, you know, decisions around spending to, oh, let's put aside money, uh, saving, you know, pay, pay yourself first, as well as investing it to help it grow. Sure. So, I guess just some some questions or some things I, I want to I want to talk about or unpack a little bit from this through your guests and and through some of the things that that you've learned. What what's a great age and way to start with kids? And you know, Gen X is now having some older kids, maybe even kids that are out of college and, and moving on. What's the if we haven't had these conversations yet? What's the best way to start? I think you know the best way to start is really to start incorporating discussions around money in everything that you do. There are a multitude of opportunities to incorporate discussions in everyday life. Right. And, you know, ideally you would start as soon as possible. So, because again, it goes back to my my core belief of the sooner you start, the better the off they'll be. And really, you know, I, I don't know. So let's say as an example, like my three-year-old, the other day I was trying to help him understand the different value, the differences between the coins right? Like okay. in money. And, you know, I was trying to go through, okay, well, who's on, you know, what's on this coin? What's the animal here? What's that value? Would you rather have this or that? And, and that, and, and I could tell, you know, he was, uh, he was kind of getting it, but then he started, you know, his attention span was kind of uh, off somewhere else. And he didn't really want to talk about that anymore, which is fine. So I right. said, okay, let's, let's go back that to another day. Um, but I think even kids as young as two, three years old, you can do different things to start talking about money or to incorporate uh, those discussions. Like as an example, so yesterday I had a, um, it was an Easter dinner for, uh, with, you know, family and we got together and it reminded me of actually last year, one year ago, Easter. Cause what happened was my sister-in-law makes this, these kind of like treats or for all the, all the kids. 
And last year, I remember there were marshmallows in this uh, uh, snack, you know, snack yeah. bag or whatever snack bowl. And I remember I did the marshmallow test on my two, you know, it would have been two at the time where I said, okay, you know what? You can either get a marshmallow now or wait five minutes and you can get two marshmallows. And, you know, this kid's, you know, he's two years old. And so <laughs> he, he said, okay, okay, you know, I'll do that. And of course, you know, I set the timer and wouldn't you know, like every 30 seconds, he's like, you know, is it, can we, can I eat yet? Can I eat it yet? And like, not yet, not yet. But the good thing was, you know, he waited the full five minutes. And then as soon as the timer went off, he opened up the jar and he was like, okay, you know, digging into it. <laughs> but I was happy that he, he lasted the five minutes. But I think, you know, as kids as young as two or three, you know, that, that really goes back to delayed gratification, right? And right. that will help in, let's say, when you go through spending later on. But, you know, that's something that you can do for young kids. For other Gen X, you know, Gen X parents who have older kids, um, you know, I think, again, it comes back to looking at your everyday interactions and looking at opportunities to have those conversations. So it could be, you know, let's say on the earning side, if it's entrepreneurship skills that you want to help uh, expose them to having those conversations, like uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, again, my kids are younger on the younger side, but uh, we did, I guess when my eight-year-old was about six, we did, a, you know, it was a classic lemonade stand, right? Right. And, you know, I had him, you know, went to the store, we bought supplies, lemons and uh, sugar and like all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he made a sign, a poster, and we basically set up a stand in front of our, we kind of live in a cul-de-sac, but also off the, off a, not main, but, you know, busy enough kind of thoroughfare. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he set up a stand and he, he ended up selling, I think, I mean, we'll call it like 60 bucks worth of lemonade that day. But the, but what I was trying to teach him was that, yeah, so this is, you know, a business that you could start, you could earn income. You see, you know, it was a hot summer day. It was a way to uh, figure out what would people want. Uh, we talked about costs. So he had to pay me back. For, I actually had him pay me back for <laughs> the cost for of supplies. Like, supplies and everything like nice. that. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www.hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us. And and then the profits he took through, which I think was, you know, I think we spent like 20 bucks in supplies or something like that. And, you know, he had $40, $45 profit. And I said, okay, you know what? What we'll also do is talk about giving. And so we picked a charity that he wanted to donate some some of those portion of the profits to. And again, so I was trying to incorporate tying in uh, giving to, you know, again, the entrepreneurship aspect of things as well. And, he, you know, we, so we ended up making a donation, a small donation to a charity, and then the rest he kept. And, and so, you know, I think parents, you know, as we get into summer, as the weather starts getting better, it's about seeing and talking about with their kids, you know, starting up a business. And yeah. again, they don't necessarily have to have an entrepreneurial type background, but I think it's about having them go through and do activities and things that can generate those conversations where you can talk about, you know, all sorts of things. Like even let's say for instance, at the grocery store, if your kids, you know, you, I, I started to recently, what I would do is I guess for my eight-year-old, I would have him make a list of grocery items that we want to get for that week. And he, you know, so he put down all the different items. Uh, and then he had, I had another column of like how many, you know, the quantity you're going to get and then what your 
what you expect it to cost. Cause I don't think he had any clue really of what things cost. And he, you know, wrote down his numbers for every single item. And then on the last column, it was, I want you to track actually how much it costs. And so that, you know, as we go through the store and I would go through with, you know, the, both the kids and the, the younger one would be the retriever. He'd, you know, love putting things into the car and everything like that. And the older one was the one tracking it on his clipboard and like, oh, this is what it actually costs. I thought it was going to be, you know, $30 for, I don't know, like a couple of mangoes. It's, you know, it's not, but <laughs> um, so, and so it gave us an opportunity to kind of talk through, you know, spending uh, on, on, on groceries and things like that. So it's really looking for opportunities, you know, uh, for parents to look for opportunities to have those daily conversations or those everyday moments that uh, those conversations could be had with their kids to expose them to 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 money and, and finances. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned one thing with entrepreneurship and I wanted to, especially as we're going into summer and thinking about, you know, Gen X and our kids, I, I, I'm drawn to and want to th- and think about my favorite entrepreneur from, from our childhood. And that was Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Oh yeah, um, wasn't always the uh, the most upstanding citizen when it came to some of his entrepreneurial uh, ventures, but you know we always try to include a little pop culture with with our Gen X uh, influence here. So was was Saved by the Bell something that, that you watched or you remember yeah, some of Zach's I, um, his, some of his uh, schemes? I, I don't, I, you know, I, I remember watching Saved by the Bell regularly as a kid. Okay. And I remember Zach, you know, it was Zach and Slater, AC Slater. <laughs> right. Uh, and I remember watching the show and I used to love, uh, you know, it was Kelly Kapowski and, and Jesse and Tiffany and, Amber Thiessen. Yeah. She's, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still a favorite. Still a favorite. Yeah. And, you know, and it was Lisa, Lisa Turtle. And, yeah, and Lisa Mr. was the one who really seemed to not have a great grasp on money. She, uh, she was always spending her dad's money and, and shopping. And I just remember some of the stuff Zach did. I remember the the celebrity that came in to do the anti-drug commercial and he was selling all of the, uh, paraphernalia that he touched, you know, whether it was a doorknob or his jacket or something. And then, um, you know, they went to work at the beach club and, and he had a few schemes there for the summer that he was, you know, trying to get. With he the volleyball team he tried to assemble and and win some money there and just yeah. seemed like he was always up to something to try to profit from either Bayside. Um, remember the oil company came in and he couldn't wait to spend all the oil company's money on a big better Bayside. Yeah, and I think that you know that goes back to exactly like tying into you know he had a very entrepreneurial type mindset right uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that's what yes. we'll, that's what we'll call it entrepreneurial mindset <laughs> and you know yeah i got it got him into trouble here and there but uh, with mr belding and and others but uh you know it's 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 one i think yeah kids kids need to have that they don't need to be an entrepreneur by any means like not everyone right. is going to be an entrepreneur but it's it's good to have that entrepreneurial mindset and or learn skills like selling, like, you know, that will help them, whether they are entrepreneurs, going to be entrepreneurs themselves, or they're going to be employees and and they have to, you know, they're providing value to the companies that they work for or the professions that they're in. So yeah, I used to, I I used to enjoy watching those Saved by the Bell uh, episodes. We actually just had the, um, we just had a more of an inflation conversation in our house over the weekend. Um, It's, you know, summer sports are starting now. Miles, my middle son, plays baseball, and he had outgrown uh, the baseball bat he had 
which he only really got one season out of because he went through a pretty rapid growth spurt. So shopping for a new baseball bat and the prices on some mm-hmm. of this equipment is just outrageous. And my dad was at the house and I said, you know, I don't think you spent this much on my entire childhood <laughs> sports, what I could spend on a baseball bat. And, you know, we've joked about this uh, on this podcast before. Uh, you know, I, I hope I have an outstanding athlete under my roof. If I'm looking at the gene pool, though, I'm pretty sure these kids have to study hard. Um, so, yeah. but what, what these, what it costs for just baseball, a bat, a glove, some spikes yeah. to go play ball is, is crazy. And some of these bats are four and $500. Now, that's not what I was going to spend at all on a baseball bat for a six-year-old, but it gets into that kind of mixing in the keeping up with the jump. Well, Johnny has this bat. I've got to buy my son this bat so that he can hit the ball as, as hard and as far. And I don't know how hard and far a six-year-old can hit a baseball, but thinking about what parents are spending on just sports. I mean, we're not even yeah. talking about a piano for piano lessons or a computer for you know, video editing or something, but the sports and what it costs is just outrageous compared to, it, so we had an inflation conversation about yeah. well, why didn't, a, why, why was a bat so inexpensive when you were a kid, Dan? I said, well, it probably wasn't inexpensive in 1989. Uh, it just was less. And this is what causes prices to rise. Plus that bat's made from aluminum and, you know, aluminum may have been less expensive in 1989 than it was in, in 2023. So, you know, just an understanding of uh, the components that go into a baseball bat and how things cost more and why they cost more was, was kind of an eye opener for, for the boys. Yeah. And that's a, that's a perfect example of, of having that conversations about inflation and about tying it into, you know, ensuring that the kids have that understanding of that perspective of what things cost. And hopefully that translates into, you know, they're going to take care of it, right? Like they're yeah. going to, it's not just something that you can just, oh yeah, it's, you know, dad bought it and I'm going to not have any responsibility over it and uh, not place any value of it because you had that conversation with, with him about that. And, but it is, it is crazy how much things cost if you have and especially if you have kids i mean i i I look at uh you know we've got two kids and i look you know you've got three and just you know the other day i was looking at um you know we're we're trying to figure out plans for the summer in terms of travel right like vacations where do you want to go and and we looked at uh i so in my head i mean pre-pandemic there were you know, I thought I can get, I can get airfares for like less than a grand <laughs> right? and you know, I've, and I've traveled places for less than a grand and I'm like, okay, that's kind of, you know, how things were. And then you look at price, you know, airfares now, <laughs> right? and good luck. <laughs> good luck. Like I, I would be happy if I can get it, you know, somewhere for less than, you know, $1,600 to, I know. And, and I was like, looking, you know, looking at Europe. And now we've got, you know, the four of us, you know, my wife and I and, and the two kids. So it not only is just the the dollar value has changed, but now it's just the quantity of people. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> and the expanded. little one can't sit on your lap anymore. No, no, fly, right. no, I know. So it's, <laughs> and so it's, so it's a bit of a, 
you know, it's almost like sticker shock and, and, yeah. and now normalizing to, okay, this is, this is what's going to be, or even I think I was looking at Asia, like just trying to fly to Asia and I couldn't find anything for like less than $2,500 <laughs> for the time we're per person. Right. So, you know, before you've even set foot in the country, you're on, you know, you get to the airport and you've already spent 10 grand. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. And, uh, right. You yeah. But seen it, the Mona Lisa yet, right? <laughs> no, nothing or nothing. Right. So it's one of those things where, it's and that's why it's so important. You know, it comes back to making them aware of what things cost, having those discussions about um, spending and inflation and and value, right? Yeah, uh, needs versus wants, and having having those conversations to so that they can they can understand and appreciate that. So uh, I want to. I have two more questions I want to ask you. The first one is um, if somebody is finding your podcast right now. And they're interested in getting started on a conversation with their kids about money and becoming more financially savvy. Which one of your episodes should they hone in on as this is a great place to start? I think there's a couple of them that I would think that I could point to. One would be there's a, actually, it's probably one of my most downloaded episodes. It's this kid that I brought on to the show. I talked to him. His name is Rishi Vamdat episode, it was episode 36. And he has a business called Easy Peasy Finance Kids. And it's really, you know, teaching or learning personal finance concepts through kid-friendly animated videos. And so he's been doing it for the last five years. Get You know, and I, I was so impressed. This kid's 13. He's been doing it for five years. He was eight when he started. And, you know, again, his parents help with some of the editing and things like that. But he's the one narrating some of the, or he's the one narrating actually all these videos. Uh, and he's breaking down these concepts into ones that, you know, just simplify things for kids. So that would be, you know, a great resource for uh, kids to start with. Another one that I can think of is, well, another one actually that I enjoyed was uh, episode seven, this gentleman by the name of Will Rainey. He wrote a book called Grandpa's Fortune Fables. And it's a book that is meant for kids between, call it four to 10. And it's really fun stories to teach kids about money. Uh, he uses a lot of great analogies to explain concepts around whether it's investing, you know, investing in the stock market, uh, saving, and, and principles around that. So that was that's another great episode to start with as well. But I, I would say, yeah, look, you know, go to the Money Dad podcast. Uh, you can find that obviously on any of the podcasting platforms, and and just you know, you could start with start with those couple that I mentioned, uh, or or okay. uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of great, and I, and I try to bring on a diverse pool of guests um, to talk about. Yes, I've noticed uh, that different aspects of things, and so yeah, dive right into you know those ones to start, or or dive into. What I, I like a lot of your episodes. They, they talk about the mindset um, around money. And, and that is, um, you know, we've talked about some of the perils to avoid and, and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, but the mindset around creating and accumulating and, and being comfortable with abundance or, or changing your mindset to, to acquire abundance the psychology around money has has always fascinated me and there's we're going to have a lot of episodes in the future with with some folks around um the psychology of money but i really like that you focus on that uh, you know and just i have uh, you know all of your episodes next to me right now t- 
talking about the mindset of money. There's a few that are that that those are in the title and you know financial independence. Um, yeah. So it's 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 really um, to to me it's it's a great a great place to focus because quite frankly, you may be able to even um, you know recalibrate some of the, their parents' mindset around money because you know we've. Gen X has always been a skeptical generation. We've always been a, you know, a forgotten and looked over generation. I, I would even say that a lot of us may even have a chip on our shoulder because of, of that, um, you know, of, of being ignored. So it, it is a way to, um, to kind of recalibrate our mindsets around, around money as well. And the other question I wanted to ask you, Justin, um, one of my podcast mentors always includes this in his uh, interviews and, and I like it. And he, it seems like this is where the best information comes from, but we've talked about a lot. What haven't I asked you yet that I should have? Well, I think going back to that other point that you had about mindset, I think that is so key as well. Having that healthy mindset around abundance. And again, going back to, you know, I think back to, to my child, my childhood where yeah, the, the mindset was around scarcity and it was, Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, and part of it comes from, I think, you know, my parents mentality of, you know, they're immigrants into the country and, um, they had to work for everything that they got, right. Like they, they came here with nothing. Sure. And, um, so there was kind of this win lose kind of mindset. Like if I'm, if I'm not getting this, I'm losing. Um, and it really took me, you know, I, it was probably late into my yeah, late twenties, early thirties where I where I got past that and I started to, you know, uh, join other groups and, and real estate groups really that taught a different mindset in a different way. And I'm hoping that that mindset can permeate around, you know, young kids, especially the mindset around, you know, reaching financial independence. Cause I think, you know, in our generation, especially our parents' generation, that wasn't a thing, right? Like, you right. Know, it was, yeah, you're working, to, you're working till you're 65. Mostly because they, they, had, they didn't have that choice. And then they had, and then they, they had their pension. Right. So the, the, even the, the, the need for financial independence wasn't necessarily there because they had, um, you know, they had social security and then they had their pensions. So the, the investing and, and wealth accumulation, that, that wasn't for everybody. No. And now it is. Our generation has to. We're on yeah. our own. We have to have you know, generation X is about 65 million people. We have to have 65 million financially independent. Great point. Well, and I also want to throw in that what you're talking about, Justin, I believe is having a abundant mindset versus a scarcity mindset. So we all need that abundant mindset more than ever because of the circumstances. So sorry, I butted in. (laughs) No, No, that's, that's great. Cause that, that's, you know, that was kind of the whole mission for this podcast was there's 65 million of us that have to become financially independent. And, you know, we're all carrying around these burdens of uh, school debt because school was so much more expensive for our generation. And that is um, that isn't relative. You know, it was much more expensive for our generation than it was for baby boomers. And we don't have the benefits of pensions to fall back on. We've had to incur more healthcare costs than, than other generations. And so we're going through this and our kids are watching, they're watching everything. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you don't think they're watching, you're fooling yourself because they are watching everything. Um, 
I've kind of learned that the hard way, just with maybe some of the language or (laughs) (laughs) influence that the music I prefer has had on my boys, but they're watching everything and how our mindset and, and our attitudes around money, um, come into play there. And, And that was why I was so, um, you know, focused on those titles of, of your podcast. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, exactly right. And, and I was going to just mention that in terms of our generation, you know, the Gen X generation, we're also at a point where, you know, we, we, we have parents to take care of. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time we've got kids and we're taking care of our family as well. Sure. So the financial you know, burden and, and stresses are there coming from both sides. So it's a, well, and, and not just the the needing to have the money, but understanding yeah. it, whether it's to help our parents navigate, you know, and, and um, we do a lot of discussions on this podcast about the sandwich, gen- we're, we're that sandwich generation right now. And every generation will be that sandwich at some point where we're, we're helping our parents, we're, we're raising our kids. Uh, I'll tell you the, the one lesson, and, and I took this from my father, you know, when my grandfather passed away. I had never been involved in the, um, you know, I was, I was in this profession about a decade when that happened. And, you know, I had been involved in the financial parts of somebody passing away, but not any other aspect. Um, and my dad made it a point to include mm-hmm. me, whether it was, you know, going to the funeral home with my grandmother, going to the bank with my grandmother. And I know he did that. I'm the oldest. And I, I know he looked at that and saying, okay, you're going to have to do this for mm-hmm. us. So you need to learn how to have a conversation with the funeral director. Um, you need to learn what the hospital is going to do next when, when it comes to Pat passing away. It wasn't obviously enjoyable and, and getting over my own grief was important there, but understanding what that process, and that had you know very little to do with the financial aspect, but that that's, if I think about that, okay, now if we involve our kids in the financial parts of these conversations, um, it's going to make that sandwich experience, easy, quite frankly, easier for uh-huh. all of us, whether we're the ones being taken care of or helping them understand the decisions that are made becomes um, important, including them in that that that. Process. Yeah, and I, and I think and I think um, it gets back to going, you know, exposing our kids to those types of conversations. So you know, for you, you're your dad, it was important for you to be included in those kinds of conversations with your, for your grandfather. And I think for me, I've always looked at, well, the best way to um, learn is through experience. And what better way to get your kids experience than to actually have them go through that and have those conversations and have them do, you know, yeah. do those things because that that's how they're going to, uh, learn and internalize things and, and, yep. and, uh, grow from it that. was a Confucius. I, I hear, and I forget, I see, and I remember I do. And I understand that's exactly it. Yeah. Right. That that's, that's how we, we treat our new employees. That's how I work with the, my boys. And and I think one of my best, uh, and favorite college professors, that was the, that was the message he gave us on the first day of class. He goes, yeah, you could stand here and listen to me. You could stand here and watch me, but by doing this, you're going to understand um, and fortunately he was an accounting professor and he was right. That's the only way yeah. you kind of learn. Those and, and I think that goes back to, um, you know, I think, so the question you asked me earlier was what, what's one thing that you haven't, we haven't covered today that, you know, you should ask. And I think it gets back to including our kids in those family 
financial conversations. Mm -hmm. So whether that's, you know, conversations around uh, spending decisions, traveling, summer camps, you know, what summer camps that yeah. they're going to be involved with, whether that's decisions around investing. So um, helping them understand investing. Like, so for instance, I don't know, like the other day, um, I ended up actually speaking at my kid's school about investing during their their highlight to financial oh, cool. literacy week. And it was talking to grade threes to fives about investing in it. And I, you know, gave them an analogy of what it can do in, in terms of growing, growing your base, growing your assets, helping your making sure your money's working for you, um, and relating it to, you know, to that age range. But uh, you know, I think it's it's under helping them understand about, you know, the investment decisions that, you know, you and I that we make every day, right? So, you know, yeah. what do we do? You know, and so what we do, I, I actually one one year what I did was I printed off um, a list of the S and P 500, and I said to my my you know eight year old at the time or now but younger uh, he was younger at the time but I said okay look we can be owners in all these different companies and I tried to get him to uh, pick out names that he would recognize you know Apple Amazon Nike Disney kind of right. all those things and I explained to him okay well you know some of the business models around each of those different companies but understanding that you know when if you invest in a low cost ETF this basket of goods you can you can have part ownership in all those different companies and, and how they do so again I, I'm a real estate investor so I I belong to this um, this association or this group and what they do is they mail out newsletters every month and what I've started to do with my oldest, is read some of those newsletters and we'll talk about like interest rates and the economy and, you know, population <laughs> growth and, and, you know, examples yeah. of, of people taking action in the, in the real estate space and, and investments and things like that. But, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so I think this all ties back into, you know, really involving our kids in, in those conversations. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't have to be, you know, a formal sit down. I think it can happen over the dinner table on car rides at the, you know, at the soccer game while your other kids, you know, in, in a program, like these are things that I think that would be the, you know, my main drill home point would be making sure that we incorporate these discussions with our kids. Yeah. Cause it, it's happening all around us yeah. all the time. And, and there's, there's opportunities every, everywhere you go. And especially as you're hitting the road this summer, after you're done listening to the monetary mixtape, make sure that you check out Money Dad podcast, Justin. How if folks want to get in touch with you or have other questions? How do they? do Yeah, that? they can. Uh, so they can go to moneydadpodcast.com uh, for the website, and and uh, and if they do want to contact me, they can reach me through that or on my Instagram, um, money at moneydadpodcast as well. They can uh, send me a message there. Okay. But I would encourage the you know all the parents out there who are listening who want to you know get into and and have. A resource that they can turn to uh, on all different topics about money and kids to subscribe to uh, the Money Dad podcast, and you know you can go to any of the uh, popular platforms to uh, to do so. So, but I encourage everyone to have those conversations and start and start talking about your uh, about that with your kids, you know, today. Yes, tremendous insight on the podcast. Um, make sure that you check it out, and uh, you can always reach us through HoffmanWealth.com. Very active on LinkedIn, um, just on there as Will Hoffman. And, and if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Justin, thank you very much. Thank you what you're doing for, for our kids, 
you know, again, this is, these are things that weren't available when we were kids. So these resources are, are tremendously important for raising financially savvy kids and, and really perpetuating what we try to do to the next generation. So again, personally, I thank you. I think it's something our profession should be uh, focusing on a lot more. Um, so again, thank you for, for the impact that you're having. You're there. welcome. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Uh, Wendy, take us home. Okay, Will, thank you for joining us today on Monetary Mixtape. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape Podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.